We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, a Cooley film breakdown today um, of the defense from the Lions game. I'm also, when Cooley gets done, I'm going to have Chase Hughes on the show to talk about this story that broke overnight about the Rockets and the Wizards talking about a John Wall for Russell Westbrook trade. I had Tommy Shepard, the Wizards GM, on the show today. Chris Miller from NBC Sports Washington on the show today. Um, I'd urge you to go listen uh, to both of those. Uh, Shepard was great. Um, Chris, did you did you get to meet? I know you met Ernie a couple times. I think. Did you ever meet Tommy Shepard, their their GM? I didn't. I think I only met Ernie once. Okay. Tommy is such a good dude. I mean, just a great guy, and I'm I'm hoping for the best um, for him uh, as the GM. He's a, you know he's a basketball lifer. He really knows it. And, um, you know, I think he's listened to our shows over the years. So I think he's a big fan of, you know, just sports radio in general in town um, and uh, had a good conversation with him. The bottom line is he didn't deny that there were talks. But anyway, uh, Chase Hughes from NBC Sports Washington uh, at the end of the podcast for a quick 10 minutes to get his thoughts on at the NBA draft tonight. Also, I had Jalen Smith, uh, Stick Smith, Maryland's power forward, who um, just blew up this year. It's a shame that he didn't get a chance to play in the tournament, um, but he's expected to be a lottery pick tonight in the NBA draft. Had him on the show um, really, uh, you know, I, I've never had him on the show, Cooley. I'm just going to tell you right now because people have told me how smart, how poised, you know, what a great, humble kid he is. He was a phenomenal guest for, you know, a 19 or a 20-year-old. You know, I mean, sometimes you get some of these really young players on as a guest. It can be a disaster. <laughs> it can be one-word answers. It can be, it can be brutal. <laughs> yeah, but um, God, Sticks was fabulous. So um, I'd urge you to go listen to that on the radio nice. show as well. Um, are you ready for I a will. much easier defensive film break- breakdown, I would assume, with, what, 22 plays that Detroit ran? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do it. You didn't do it? No, I just got tired, and I didn't want to. <laughs> All right, well, what do you want to talk about? You know, what's really funny about that? I remember there was pheasant, one. Pheasant, what? pheasant hunting. I want to talk about pheasant hunting. Uh, I'd like to hear about your pheasant hunting, but I do remember a couple of those days on radio. You're like, nah, I just didn't get to it. We'll do it tomorrow. I'm like, well, it's sort of one Not of a these. Couple. It's sort of It's sort of one of these, what we like to call in the trade, a benchmark. Like, you know, 
Wednesdays at 7.30 a.m. is the Cooley Film Breakdown. All the program directors in radio will tell you. You need to be consistent. you got to have benchmarks. Like Everybody need, everybody will know that Wednesdays at 7.30 is Cooley's Defensive Film Breakdown. Tuesdays at 7.30 is Cooley's Offensive Film Breakdown. Fridays at 8.30 is Sheehan's Smell Test, etc., etc. And you're supposed to be consistent with that. Did you do it or not? I got a what do you got. Okay, let's start with that. The last drive of the game yeah. was awful. I mean, it was just absolute horse crap, man. Like the first play, you're in quarters coverage and you give up a pretty easy throw. I understand that. John Allen actually has a near sack on that play. They get the ball 10, 15 yards down the field. No big deal. They got like 12 seconds left. You should be in good shape. The next play, they go over the top, and you and I blame Troy Apke, but it's not just Troy Apke. It's Kendall Fuller. They're in quarters coverage. What the hell is Kendall Fuller doing? He's squatting on a corner route, and you got to have your underneath coverage take care of that corner route. It's like, what do you think they're going to do here, buddy? <laughs> this is Matt Stafford. That ball should have been caught by Cephas. And then... Chase Young's obviously frustrated because TJ Hawkinson is locking him down. And so he's pushing Stafford in the back well after the ball is thrown. And you're like, dude, what is the worst case scenario here? What is situationally, what do we want to do? Definitely not get a penalty. Like it's not the time to take out your frustration. I'm playing like shit all day. Right. Bad time. Bad, bad time. Ooh, there, there was hey, a Kevin, there was a hint right there about the grade for Chase Young. Yeah, there you go. And then Kevin. Yeah. It's first and 10 at the 50 yard line. They go six man pressure. A six man pressure. And Bostic goes away from the three receiver oh, side. Boy. Now, I'm assuming that he was coached to go away from the three receiver side. But at the 50 yard line, with six seconds left in the game, both the tight end and the receiver in the slot are literally uncovered. You can't, if you're going to go six-man pressure, you can't play soft coverage behind it. Right, because it's All coming out quickly. All they need to get is a fucking field goal. Right. Like, they, they don't have, it's not a Hail Mary situation. Ball's going to be out of his hand in one second. Exactly. If you want to go six-man pressure, I mean, I looked at this because, you know, in the game, I'm like, why are they so wide open? Now, maybe they blew. So here's the one thing that I think possibly could have happened. They blew the communication. Now, Holcomb blitzes from the defensive right side. Bostic drops behind Holcomb. Cameron Curl blitzes from nowhere from depth. And it's like, I think that Curl was probably supposed to play zone underneath coverage, which still at that point puts you in like a 44B look. So you have four deep, two underneath. Why in God's name would you play two underneath? I, like I would never do. I would have played. Here's what I would have played. Mm-hmm. And this is, I'm going to tell, I'm a, this is a whiny butt thing. And I, I'm going to tell somebody how to do their job. But when <laughs> you don't want to give up seven yards, you play two over the top and you drop six underneath and you rush three. You drop six underneath. Right. You drop all your dudes. Because at that point, Stafford then has to take more time. Exactly. And if he were to have got six underneath, we're going to do one of two things. He's going to try to take a true shot down the field deep, and you're going to depend on a safety making a play, which is a little risky for us. Right. 
or he's going to throw the ball out of bounds right now. He doesn't have time to pick apart coverage with six seconds in the game. Like you don't play prevent. You you play six. You drop six at eight yards, and you rally to everything in front of you. It's going to be a two to three yard gain at best. The ball is going to be on the forty-seven yard line. Let's call it. Even if they fall forward, that's a sixty-four yarder. The yeah, it's a sixty-four yarder. I'd way rather take my chances with a sixty-four yarder. Yeah. Than what they got. They gave up 10 yards. It was nine, but yeah. You know, it's so funny. It should have been 10. He was touched right at the – he wasn't touched until he got to the 40-yard line. So it's interesting because the lead-up to this, we had the argument yesterday about you think Sims should have turned it upfield to try to get a first down. I think it was the right thing to go out of bounds rather than – I didn't say I think he should have. I said I was interested in what would have happened if he would have turned up up field. Well, if like, he if he, I like I think that you would have gotten another playoff, and I also think for a fact with the time they had left on the clock that they would have been able to rush their field goal unit on. Well, that's what you would have had to do because it would have been fourth down. Not if, he got, he a, not made, if he got a first down. Not I know. If he got a first down. I understand. If, that. So you look, but they're all standing there 90, on the sideline, ready to go. Ninety-nine, ninety-nine out of a hundred times. The direction on that is we have no timeouts left. We would like better field goal p- position. The ball's going to go to the outside. You got to get out of bounds. And Alex, if nothing's there, you're going to have to throw it away and we're going to kick the, the super long kick from where we are on fourth and 15. They got 11 yards. They got out of bounds. I bring it up only because if they had done what you were curious about, then they, there would have been no Detroit drive to follow. But then again, the kicker who isn't very good right now may have been so rushed he may have missed the kick anyway. But um, then my my next point on that in the lead-up to what you just went through is the thing that I was frustrated about in the moment. I would have squib-kicked. I would have kicked it, and I would have forced a return to burn five, six seconds off the clock. And that way, you know, Stafford, even if he's starting at the 30 instead of the 25, has two snaps. 16 seconds is three to four snaps, you know, depending on how you play it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I'm going to give you the reason you don't squib kick it. Okay. They just fall on. Okay, that's fine. If that, unless unless you can really squib kick yeah, I'm not it all the way I'm not ju- I'm, I'm, all the way through. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a squib that hits you know at the at the twenty yard line, the the eighteen yard line, and but bounces around and forces just, a return. Why would you not just kick a high hang? Okay, time you kick? well, you, I you could just kick a high kick too. Yes, you could do that as I well. I mean, how many returns for touchdowns? Do you I know. Get in this I know. I, like seriously, if you're going to play the percentages, you kick a high hang time kick, and you're going to take five seconds off the clock minimum. Yeah, on on a return, yes, you probably will. So my my point is, do something to force a return and some time off the clock. But what you just described, I think, for any of you out there, Cooley did such a phenomenal job because on that you know on the play that got them into the 59 yard attempt instead of trying to kick a 67 yard attempt or a 64 yard attempt they they blitzed and if you blitz you are expecting the ball and trying to force the ball quickly out of the quarterback's hands which is why you should be covering the receivers tightly 
rather than giving them all that room. If you play underneath and you're only rushing three, then it's going to take the quarterback more time to find somebody open, even though he isn't being pressured and there are only six seconds left and he's probably going to be forced to throw it away so that he doesn't, you know, burn another attempt or throw it, you know, and it's going to be really tight as to whether or not they can get the timeout. And what they did do, and I pulled it up as you were talking about it, they rush six and they're playing soft coverage. It was the easiest thing of all time. And here's the thing I would ask, old, you know, old whiny butt um, and, you know, coach JDR is was there any discussion that the kicker on the other side at the 50-yard line might have already been in range? Because I contend that if he had thrown incomplete and there had been time left, the dude was coming out to kick a 67-yarder. They, they would have tried a 67-yard field goal indoors with Prater. He has that kind of leg. Now I don't, you know, would have been um, well. If you're really concerned that he's gonna, if you're really concerned that he's gonna get a 67 yard field goal, and keep in mind, you had some time to decide what you wanted to do here. This wasn't a hurry up situation because of the penalty before after the penalty before. Right. If you're going to blitz, if you're going to blitz, don't blitz from depth. Right. And play off. Right. You're never going to get there. The ball's going. He's going to get rid of the ball. In he one has second. to they, because there's six blitz. seconds. If you're going to if you're going to blitz, let's get immediate a gap pressure in his face and get our hands up and try to bat a ball or try to force an incompletion. If you're going to blitz, if you're worried about that kick, if you think you want to get there, the other thing about dropping six, there's a really good chance that you can hold him up for a second and a half. Right. Like if if he throws something right into coverage and you don't let him get to the ground, game's over. Right. Or it's over time. Yeah. Or no, it's this was a or if he gets this it was out, a bad call on defense. Or if he gets it out real quickly and you're playing tight, who knows? Maybe you get a little pick six. But anyway. Now in all um, honesty, yeah. I think that Cameron Curl fucked it up. I don't think I don't think he should I don't think he's blitzing here. Because if he is, I mean Apke's walking over to back it up from from depth. Mm-hmm. But if it is, this is is unsound as you get defensively. You can't play four deep, one underneath. Right. <laughs> like someone, if this is the design to blitz here, someone botches. There's no way any any D coordinator would call this. I, there's got to be. Well, don't I'd be interested don't criticize to, to have jet. Don't criticize the defensive coordinator for this. Certainly not on Twitter. He has probably he, has he discussed it. Has he has he talked no, he about ta- this he t- call? He talks on point? he talks on Thursday. He talks tomorrow. The defensive coordinator. So talks I tomorrow. mean, one, just some advice to Jack. If Cameron Curl botched it, you eat it. Do not sell out. Of course, anybody that botched this play, you, you know what? Eat this. Do you say I should have? Here's the answer to this question for Del Rio. It was a bad call on my part. I felt like I could get some pressure. I didn't communicate properly to my defense what I wanted. Nope. I should have played nope. soft coverage underneath. No, 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 no. What do you? I mean, that's, that's just, not the answer. Just take it. Just take it yourself. Um, for, okay. What's the answer? First of all, let me just say this: I don't think he's the kind of guy that will throw somebody under the bus. I actually think he I don't is. Either. He is a, a stand-up guy in in that respect. But I think what you say is, uh, we didn't execute. 
uh, we didn't execute, and they got off uh, play. Uh, it was unfortunate, and uh, we we hurt ourselves there, and we we cost us, you know, we cost the team a chance to win. Next question. <laughs> uh, will you get into detail I mean, about what that's happened? A, that's a fine, that's, will, will you get into detail uh, about no, what I happened? Mean, I will not. No, 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 I will not. No, I'm not going to get into detail about what happened. But right. I should have played six. I should have played six underneath. Should have. <laughs> Well, I certainly, if I were going to blitz, if I, if if I were going to send two extra like, yeah, rushers, I'm going to play I, tight. I mean, but don't you think on some level, if you're playing tight coverage, you worry about the quick throw and the break tackle, and and you're gone. I think you. I think what you just said, no. you play six underneath. Yeah, you just play six underneath, two over the top, and you are expecting the quick throw. And if he breaks one, there's a safety over the top. Now, really, two safeties. Now, let me. Th- let me so, let, I mean, I mean, you could you could at least you could at least go with hindsight. I pro I, I might have called something different. <laughs> Here's what you can't consider here, and they didn't play it this way. Which you cannot consider a possibility with six seconds left, with Prater as the kicker and the ball at midfield, is that they're going to throw a hail mary on that play. That's not the plan. There's no that's team. Not the plan. There's no team that's going to have that as the plan. Even though they're only six seconds, everybody understands what you can get done in two to four seconds, especially if you're going to play soft coverage. And they have timeouts left. You know that's the other key. You know they had timeouts left. If they didn't, then it would have been a completely different situation. Anyway, um, all right. Uh, I just that's all I did. That was your what do you got? Let's get to your film. The, the, yeah, I, to, I didn't do anymore. I was busy. Did, are you serious? It's a lie. I know. Yeah, is there anybody less depend or more dependable? Do no. I ever not do it? No, that's so true. I mean, I when I joked about it on radio, there was maybe one day, one day, and I had to give you the lecture about benchmarks. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever. All right, I promise I won't do it again. Pull the audio. Uh, up next, Cooley's defensive film breakdown. We've already started with the critical moment in the game, uh, but you'll get all of the grades for the defensive players right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're going in-depth, play-by-play. The Cooley Film Breakdown. Here's Cooley and Kevin. Defensive Film Breakdown for the Washington football team versus the Detroit football Lions. You're just, you make me laugh because (laughs) I I say to you, 
I mean, there's nobody more dependable. And you're like, you're, you're so right. But you thought for one second, like there's still, no, that, I didn't. You didn't fool there's me. still that shadow of a doubt. You're like, Cooley no, you didn't fool me. Cooley might've got doing something else. No, because you would have called. You me. actually know, you actually do know that I'm busy right now. So I do I know you're busy. I have, you, I, you know that I have something going on. I know right I, now. I do. I do know and, you have something going on, but I also, and this is really important for some of you to know out there. Cooley really is incredibly dependable. You know, people like, you know, Galdi and, and me and Zabe who have worked with Cooley closely have said that over the years, you know, Cooley had this reputation as a player and, you know, a wild personality, but nobody was more committed and nobody was more dependable and mature. And by the way, without ego um, than Cooley in terms of, you know, ex-athletes that we worked with. Actually, we were lucky with all of them, but, you know, I had most of my experience with with you and Rigo, actually. Um, Rigo's good. And and Rigo is, is, is very similar in that way so um but i know that you're very busy right now but i also didn't really buy it because i think you would have called me to say hey i can't i i can't get this done right now let's do this on thursday and i would have said fine all right let's get started nobody cares about this what's your uh start with so this was really interesting yeah but right before we start i I, ne- I always start with an overarching theme yeah go with your over, uh, overarching theme although we just had sort of the the theme, which was Jack Del no. Rio or Rivera really messed up the final, or Cameron Curl messed up the final play before the field goal. Okay, here's the initial thought process. That wasn't the overarching theme. That was just a definitive moment. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they really got gashed by Detroit. Yeah. I, and th- this was a new defensive look that they've had at, from any point in this year. Now, last week I told you they ran some bare defense but they didn't play the jam front, so it wasn't really the true Buddy Ryan Bear defense. Right. They got beat by some of the gap scheme stuff. The jam front is where you have someone cover each guard and the center. Makes it hard to double-team people when you cover every offensive lineman up. Right. And that's, that's really – Buddy Ryan's was a jam front where then he – put his strong side linebacker directly over the tight end or a strong safety at times. And then an, another defensive end outside the tight end to maintain that edge. They played jam front all day. Kev, they played five down with two backers. That's a three, four front. They played a three, four front in this game. They're, they're just, their ends had their hand in the ground. They had a, a lot. Allen Payne, settle all inside, and then both defensive ends outside with hand in the ground. More than seven or eight plays. Wait, that's a three. That's a three-four front with hand in the ground. You said with, with both ends. St- so the only difference from a three-four would be that you would essentially say the ends would be stand-up ends. They right. were just hand. They were just three-point stance, hand in the ground ends. Well, I didn't. But but I. Okay, so I'll, I'm a little bit confused on this. I haven't watched what you've watched. I, I know why I, they did it. I'm going to trust you on this, but they didn't have a lot of snaps for linebackers in this game. KPL didn't even play that much. Because they played a five-down front. Yeah, but a 3-4 is a three-down front with four linebackers. It's not really a three. Okay, sure. And instead, we'll consider uh, Chase Young and Ryan Kerrigan linebackers, not defensive ends. Okay. It's a five-down front. A 3-4 is a five-down front. There are five guys on the line of scrimmage in the box. A three-four is a five-down front. Right. It doesn't matter who plays. Right. What. Because They're of the play- yeah, because of the two outside linebackers are lining up right there on that outside of either you know the tackle or the tight end. 
Right. And the difference is uh, we say we're a 3-4 front, so now we qualify Ryan Kerrigan as a outside linebacker. Right. We say we're a 4-3 front, and we qualify Ryan Kerrigan as a defensive end. I mean, I'm looking He's, I'm looking at the first snap of the game. It looks like we're in a 4 it looks like we are in a um we're in a 4-3. Yeah, they with the they, safety they, in the box. They played some 4-3 front. Okay. Kev, they they played multiple fronts in this game. They also played what you would call the bear defense front. But look at the third snap of the game. Go to play number three. Look at the third snap of the game. Okay. You have Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Drum Payne as a nose, Tim Settle as your right end, and Montez Sweat as your outside uh, player. Oh, yeah. That's a five down front. Yeah. That is a three four front. Yeah, I mean, this would be just like a three four shade. Yeah, but it looks like Payne's playing more one technique than zero technique. He is, he, but you don't have like a three-four front can play multiple shades. That's with true. Their interior three players. This uh, is a five-down front. Understood. What's amazing? So here's why they did it, in my opinion, because in a four-down front, your linebackers have got to be gap fit, gap sound players, right? And they're getting too many double teams up to guys like Bostic who can't get off a double team, who can't get off a block of a lineman climbing to a second level. So they did this to try to free up Bostic in some of these situations mm. and try to free up Holcomb in some of these situations. They also played five down a lot of the time where they put Cole Holcomb as the fifth guy down at the line of scrimmage. It's, it's really interesting because they didn't stop the run. Right. Hey, you know and what I, I think it I think it's hard when you start playing some of these I guess nuisance fronts or different fronts because you're now talking about responsibilities that you haven't played all year. Right, it's almost like they're throwing too much at them. Is that what you're I, suggesting? Maybe. I I mean it's you're throwing a lot at them. I don't know. They're playing things differently than the way they've played it. It is. So I'm watching a, a swift run, which I'm sure you'll get to. The one that he hurdled somebody. It was a 16-yard run. Hurdled the Shazer. Yeah, and they're clearly in a five-man front with, with Young and it looks like Sweat on the other side. Now they have their hand in the dirt, so it's a five-man front. It's not technically a 3-4, but they're lining up like it would be a 3-4. The only difference is their hand's in the dirt. Exactly right. And even still, even at that. You get a double team with the right guard and center, and Bostic sees the downhill action to the back to that side and s- tries to sit and f- looks like he's going to kind of fill the hole, and then he stops, and he waits for the center to come off on him, and then as soon as the center comes off on him that play, he walks him three yards out of the hole, and S- Swift cuts behind it, and now he's on the second level, and he hurdles to Shazer Everett, and you're like, dude, Swift had a plan <laughs> for just Shazer. Like, he just got jumped, dude. By the way, Swift is really impressive. I just want to mention that, and I thought, yeah, he, and I thought he would be coming out of Georgia. They they just have they have backs, man. All right, so they played. So I just thought it was yeah. I thought it was really interesting that that you you changed your front. I mean, where I think this is interesting is they haven't been like an elite defense where they're really devastating people, and I think a big part of it is because in the run game you're getting some poor backer fits. Now I saw a thing where it was, it was like Trevor, Trevor Maddich said, the linebackers are soft. Uh-uh. Bostic's not soft. He's indecisive. There's a big difference in my opinion. I don't see Bostic as a soft player. I see him as an indecisive player who's not a good block shed linebacker. So I, I don't think they're soft. I think there's just too much indecision. And again, I, 
I still think there's some massive question marks at that position. We'll get to Bostic. He played a little bit better in this game, and he did play way more aggressive in terms of coming downhill to fit gaps. But that that was an interesting thought. My other thought to this game, God, Stafford's a good quarterback. I I've always liked him. I totally agree with you. But he, you know, he, you know, he basically he got hurt in that game. He he's now questionable for the upcoming game. The injury was his finger. It, it was a finger or hand injury. I mean, we saw it during the game when he was shaking it off, but it was it was injured. I got yeah. I got to look it up what the injury was. I, I read it. In but my God, he, here here's what like you him. know. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to explain really partially what I... torn thumb ligament. Ooh, yeah, not a finger, a thumb. Yeah, and he explain to you one of my favorite Stafford plays from this game, and I want you to pull this up. It's in the second quarter with a minute fourteen left. It's a first and 10, and the ball's on the 31. Okay? So the Lions go three receivers to the left in an empty set, and they have a stack set on their right. Yep, I see it. Really, Stafford right here sees what he's got as a single high safety. So he knows he's going to work the left side. And on the left side, the tight end's going to run a five-yard sit-down feet and stone route. Well, that's what we always used to call it. You turn around five yards, sit, feet in stone. Then you're going to have a 12-yard. Not, a, not eight, a five-yard button hook? No, no, no <laughs> button hook. You do, not come back to, you do not come back to the quarterback. Okay. You do not hook back. You sit there, and behind him, you're going to have a, a, an uh, eight yeah. to 14-yard speed cut roll in. And what, the other thing I love is they just sit a receiver down wide outside as a check down, and that guy holds that corner out there long enough. The tight end sits in stone. The quarterback's essential read is to read the linebacker, which is Bostic in this situation. If he plays close to the tight end, you throw the ball over to the dig. If he plays deep and gets depth to dig, you just dump it to the tight end. There was a year like 2010 or 11 where I caught like 20 of these balls. (laughs) I mean, they would always slough off to the dig. The thing that I think is great with Stafford here, his concern isn't necessarily Bostic. And this is where quarterback plays get smart. He he knows he's got a high low Bostic, but his concern is the next backer inside who becomes Hol- right. Holcomb. Yeah, Holcomb's kind of on the hash. Yeah. Now, if Holcomb, if if Stafford were just to look left at this, then he would pull Holcomb left into that dig. Right, but he looks right to pull him away from it. So he takes one, two, three, four, plant, and then after plant. Oh. He is going to feel and sense Bostic within his throwing motion. You know what I'm saying? Like he never, yeah. he is throwing this ball. He is like, as he's winding up, he's making the decision. Is it Hawkinson or is it the dig behind a Jones? Dude, that is really good quarterback play. Like that is manipulating underneath coverage with your drop and eyes and then making an incredibly quick decision to get the ball down the field to Jones. Th- this is what you look for with quarterbacks. Like if, if, if you have guys that can make those split-second decisions like that, but can also manipulate coverage and they know how to manipulate coverage, it's awesome. Now, had this been too deep, too high safeties, I'm assuming that he would have dropped back, looked down the middle, or looked a little bit to the right, and he would have worked the other, he would have worked the right side of the field. Or it's he could great- or he could have thrown to his outlet check down over on the left side. You can st- – yeah, well, not in too deep because there would have been a corner sitting oh, that's the right, flat, right. flat on it. But, he, you know, you can still work this combination in too deep. You're just <clears throat> essentially adding another underneath defender. So he would probably work the high-low flat 
flat to the right, either corner flat. This is a really good combination. I, I wrote this down. I, lo I love this out of empty. It gives answers to everything, but watching Stafford do this is awesome. And throughout the game, there are a lot of times where he can hold backers and he can hold some of the underneath coverage to make some big-time throws. And then at that, Kev, like he knows where he wants to go with the ball. He missed a couple throws in this game down the field that I think probably could have been completed. But ball was out quick throughout. We had one sack. The best pass rushing defense in the NFL got one sack on a safety blitz, and it was Cameron Curl. Yeah, well, he got the ball out quickly, like you said. So, I mean, the other thing I thought was interesting is I, the Lions ends up, end up putting up 30. But even at that, I think they could have scored more points. They didn't go with as much run action as I thought they could have to that jam front. They probably didn't expect us to to do that and so there wasn't necessarily a big game plan but i thought they could have thrown way more drop back to intermediate throws based on the way we were playing and they could have went with way more boot and and play action stuff actually maybe not boot but boots hard when you have two edge control players anyways i thought stafford was you know it's it's funny we watch a lot of i watch a lot of film but i watch in the nfl much more washington film yeah and so you see good quarterback play like this, and I think you just get a little bit excited about a guy like Stafford. So anyone in Detroit that thinks that he might not be the guy or he's handcuffing them, no, he's he's not. He is if he's healthy, he's one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league. I I completely agree with you. I, I don't certainly he's in that conversation. I've always felt that way. Remember when we had the conversation, and I remember for whatever reason people said, "So who would you take, Shane, Stafford or Kirk?" And I said, "I would take Stafford." I've always liked Stafford. Plus, he's a gamer, man. The the big problem with Stafford is he just doesn't stay healthy. He's hurt a lot. I mean, I, I want to pull up his numbers to see how many games he's missed over the course of his career. Obviously, last year he got hurt really in the midst of maybe what could have been his best career year. Um, but if you look through his overall career, uh, no, it's been the last – last year was the first year. My fault. Last year was the first year he didn't play 16 games since his second year when he got hurt. That's right. 2010, he was out pretty much the whole year. 2019, he was out the second half of the season. But it does seem – doesn't it seem to you that Stafford's always banged up? I guess I don't know why because you just explained that he's not. I, well, he's played in those six. He played sixteen games for eight straight years. Then you know, after, <laughs> so he's not very banged up. But I think he always played hurt. Well, then which would speak to the kind of gamer he is and his toughness. Look, this is a dude that's thrown for basically five thousand yards twice. You know, last year I, I do. Last year he was on pace for thirty-eight touchdowns, ten picks, and five thousand plus yards again. When he got hurt in the eighth game of the year. All right. I mean, if there was anything that the Lions wanted to do to get rid of Stafford, there will be a big market for Stafford. I agree with you. Totally. The, the other thing I think about Stafford, and I guess part of this is is watching, you know, what he's done against us. But if you were to say you have a minute thirty and you got to go down and score points. Oh, he's great. What, what, where would he like? It would be Drew Brees and then Stafford. He's who been, else would? 
He's been he's very good at that. Excellent. Well, I mean, th- look, there are a lot of guys that are excellent at that. I mean, I would start, uh, you know, it w- w- would you mind having Patrick Mahomes in that situation? Would you yeah, mind I having Russell who... Wilson in that situation? Um, what about Brady? What about Rodgers? What about, you know, uh, Ryan? There are, li- there are a lot of guys you'd feel good about. I would take but I agree Stafford with, I agree with Stafford. Stafford's really I'd... good at it. I think I'd take Stafford over Wilson because Wilson, I think, throws some panic balls that become bad plays. You know, I think Stafford has a very high number of fourth quarter, you know, uh, drives to take the lead. Because I remember, you know, a few years back looking it up and Cousins' numbers were very high on that, which totally defeated, you know, the narrative that he couldn't do it. Um, But Stafford's numbers were very high. Um and I've, I've got a fourth quarter comebacks, right? So yeah, he's had a, so in, he should have had one in week one. Remember when DeAndre Swift dropped a wide open touchdown against the Bears at, at the la, on the last play of the game? Pro Football Reference fourth quarter comebacks are defined as must be an offensive scoring drive in the fourth quarter with the team trailing by one score, though not necessarily a drive to take the lead. Only games ending in a win or tie are included. He's got thirty of those in his career. Um, and that's that's a pretty good number. Now, game-winning drives led by quarterback are defined by must be an offensive scoring drive in the fourth quarter or overtime that puts the winning team ahead for the last time. He's had 37 of those. Um, so that's that. Those are those are really good numbers. Like I'll pull up. Um, what, what was the other quarterback that you initially came up with? Well, uh, Breeze, I think. Uh, if I had to pick one quarterback, it would be Drew Brees. All right. And so watching I'm, someone run a two-minute Obviously, Breeze has, Breeze has had a longer career, obviously. But, oh, uh, keep but in his, mind, his you number... gotta, your, your team's got to suck a little bit. Like, Tom Brady probably has less two-minute comebacks. That's true, because too. Because there were a lot of games yeah. that they blew people out. Breeze has 36 of the fourth-quarter comebacks to 30 for Stafford and 53 of the game-winning drives to 37. He's also been in the league you know, a lot longer um, and has played a lot more games. Let me find somebody that would match up more with his you know, figure 2008-2009. You know who had a lot? I think Eli had a lot. Romo had uh, more than you would think, believe it or not. Um, Aaron Rodgers, because basically, even though Rodgers started earlier in his career, um, his first year really starting was 2008. So Rodgers, Rodgers has 17 fourth-quarter comebacks, 25 game-winning drives, far, far fewer than Stafford. They've also had better teams and probably fewer opportunities. That's a good point. So anyway, um, there you go. I would take Stafford over Rodgers. Yeah, I'm not suggesting. No, I would. I would. I wouldn't uh, pick Stafford over in a two minute in a two minute drive. I wouldn't. I would not. Even, I wouldn't even question it. Okay. I, I think I'm, Stafford is excellent. I think Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is. I I think Stafford's excellent in that spot too. If you told me I had to choose one, I would take Aaron Rodgers. Well, I understand you're taking what you think is a better quarterback. I think, um, I think he's also an outstanding two minute quarterback. And by the way, knows is so aware of everything. Just trust me, I'm yeah. not saying that he's not that. Okay. <laughs> by no means. I just, I don't know. You watch Stafford do this, and he's he's so quick with the ball. Manning had a to lot be. too, man. Um, man, Eli Manning had a lot of game-winning drives. I, I remember seeing. I remember that stat. And it, and it helped that they sucked. It helped that they sucked a lot of years. Yeah, it or does. played a lot of close games. Yes, right. That they weren't a dominant mm-hmm. team. 
no doubt. Because Tom Brady. That changes it. This okay. Is, this is what we do. Sometimes we just start chasing this rabbit down the hole for an hour. Actually, Bra- I mean, Bra- I'm Brady's, more interested in this Brady's played a lot of games. Brady's played a lot of games, obviously, and has had a lot of game-winning drives. I mean, a lot. 47, not as many as Breeze. 38 fourth-quarter comebacks. But these aren't comparable numbers to Stafford because of the number of games these guys have played. Um, Stafford, on an average per year, probably has a higher average than any of those guys. So Stafford's been really good at it, no doubt. All right, uh, let's get to the film breakdown. We might as well start that now. I kind of want to do a, t- a top 10 list here. <laughs> you know who I'd like? Brett Favre. Brett yeah, Favre. But, uh, but he, okay. he may throw it to the other team, too. Yeah, he's a competitor, though. He wants to win. The, the greatest all right. The greatest two-minute quarterback of all time, Ken Stabler. Elway? Stabler. Or Roger Staubach. Staubach was phenomenal. All right, let's go. The greatest of all time is Drew Brees, so... We're not even going to debate that. <laughs> he just is. Film breakdown. He's still playing. He is, he is although not for, playing, the next, not, is, not for the next gr- month. Oh, is he out a month with those ribs? Two to three weeks minimum, they said. I mean, he's got a punctured lung. A collapsed lung, I guess, would be uh, different than punctured. Punctured he's is what Tyrod Taylor has. He's got, he's, he's got a rub some dirt on it. What'd you say? <laughs> he's got to rub some dirt on it. Get back in yeah. there. Rub some dirt on it. It'll be all right. <laughs> Come all right. on, you're fine. We'll give you a little flak jacket. <laughs> all right. Let's do some film. <laughs> all right. Chase Young. Yeah. The positives. There's a relentless rush effort from Chase Young. He there is. He's he's a go get him guy, man. He's he's gonna play hard. He has a good bull rush with power, and he can shed and fall off inside late. Has a solid up and under pressure. There's a play in the fourth quarter that that I think ends up being completed on a button hook. Hmm. <laughs> I wrote button hook four times in my notes for Love you it. today. Um, Stafford's really good. He had Chase Young and John Allen right in his face, and he's throwing in time, in rhythm, hitting the hook, doesn't care about pressure, change arm angle a little bit, make a play. Uh, there was also that boot late in the game where he forces a bounce pass that it's just an awesome redirect, and his speed to get into the quarterback's face is really good. We are a very tough defense to boot because Chase Young and Montez Sweat Sweat's are so length. athletic. Yeah. They're so athletic and and have so much length on the edge. We are a tough boot team. Um, the negatives, multiple times blocked by Hawkinson, no get off. Ball goes inside, lose gap control and C-gap. I mean – like Hawkinson's a pretty damn good blocker, though I'll say that. Uh, the first Adrian Peterson run, the first one he bounces outside. I actually made this suggestion to you <laughs> last week. I said if Chase Young feels like he can go make a play inside once he's controlling a tight end, then go make it inside. Right. Well, he went inside, and Adrian Peterson boop, boop, bounces outside. Uh-oh. Nobody is like AP is really good at that. A bounce, I better watch bouncing it. Yeah, about bouncing those tight run plays, like just that subtle patience, like. I'm not going to hit the hole just yet. He's very good at getting like just about a yard from that hole, hesitating. And then if he wants to put his head down, he can still get yards, but he can, he can still jump cut and bounce outside. Right. Um, 
poor end tackle stunt. Uh, too much of an outside. Like you, when you're an end tackle stunt, and you're trying to. You're the end. You got to collapse the edge, so you you get Deron Payne looping and wrapping tight behind it. And it's like it, you give yourself up in that situation. But sometimes when you completely give yourself up, they almost omit you, and you get inside and you get pressure. Uh, not a commitment to that. Um, that was on. Really, if you wanted to watch that one, that's on the Fuller cover two invert touchdown that got over the top, like on the 30-yard line right. or whatever it was. Um, pulling guard coming at him. He's jumping inside of it way too quick, and they ended up having a bounce play where it was a counter bounce play, and he gets pinned. Like, it's tough for those DNs. Like, you can't play up the field when you get a pulling guard, but you can't just avoid underneath. Like, he's got to attack that aggressively and try to push that, knock that offensive lineman pulling back into the backfield. Had a wide screen at him that really didn't end up being a – actually, it was a penalty. I think Holcomb drew a hold, but there was a wide screen at him, Hawkinson's screen. No feel for that. And then late in the game, really stupid play to push Stafford in the back. We mentioned it. It's terrible situational awareness. You've got to be able to think through these things. I think he was frustrated because he'd been getting blocked by Hawkinson all day. Hawkinson did a really good job of, of blocking Chase Young for a solid two and a half, three seconds before Young kind of got off underneath. We said they had a plan for him. There wasn't a massive plan for Chase Young. Not like last week. I think week. more of the plan was yeah. to run it. Not like last week. It was more to run at Chase Young, if there was even that type of plan, than to run at Montez Sweat. I think they were effective in blocking Chase. I, I think that he got out of gap more times than you would have wanted him to. And I also think, Kevin, that he played in a little bit of a different role because of that 3-4 type of look than he'd had in the right. past eight games. It was an adjustment for Young. He was a D. He was doubled on that final uh, on the play that he got the penalty on. Yeah, the running back came to the outside of Hawkinson, but the back never touched him. Yeah, but he was accounting. You almost when you're when you're but when you're no, I understand that. But you know the way I would coach that if I was an offense is when you're going to double a guy like Chase Young, I'm going to leave the running back really heavy inside. You know. Right. And I'm going to let Hawkinson set square, square a little bit, and and you're just going to say, hey, look, you cannot get beat on a hard loop outside rush you got help with the back on the inside the back just went outside never touched him and chase did get inside um montez sweat yeah good fight through uh we just talked about pulling guard good fight through those pull guard seal blocks get in on tackles button press knock them back a little bit get in on tackles long arms good length good leverage um really good there uh, i thought great speed rush good bull rush balls out of bunch of times very quick or i thought montez sweat had a chance to have three or four quarterback hits or sacks in this game but stafford good with getting the ball out his stunts were excellent especially when he had blitz off the edge um some of his some of the games they call them games like those end tackle stunts they say d-line game some of the games not as good with d tackles um but one of the interior stunts they had kpl coming off the outside on a blitz really good job drew a holding penalty on that particular right. play. Um, of course, they overcame that. Right? Yeah. The second <laughs> very, qui- very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. <laughs> uh, wing tight ends, really, or double team tight ends, he's dominant. And, you know, you, you see other guys get moved, and he's not going to get moved by two tight ends. He's dominant. Um the negatives, I mean, maybe one or two times too up far upfield on some some run plays that end up cutting back underneath. And I can see that he wants to play boot. Like, I can see he's just drooling. Like, come on, Stafford, I dare you. Pull that sucker. Pull it. Um, but really, I thought 
solid, consistent in this game. No big plays. He had good pressures. He was very good in gap control throughout the entire game. I thought Montez Sweat was an A-minus. I'd like to see him make a play or two or three plays to really get into that true A category, but I thought he was very consistent. Okay. Deron, Deron Payne. The positives. Look, the guy can eat double teams, and he's not going to give up a ton of movement. Uh, some real quickness to redirect a place. Great redirect to the wide screen we were talking about. Like, watch the redirect of Deron Payne there and get back into the play and the speed to get back into the play. It's a holding, but, you know, his redirect on that play and speed to get to Hawkinson is excellent. And, uh, you know, even for a guy that I think at times comes off slow uh, off the ball, I think he'd come off the ball harder. He's so powerful that he can push guys back into the play, especially when he's playing over the center. I, I do love Payne playing over the center. Okay, well, I was going to ask even, you in in that five over the front is it, I mean he he's not playing directly over the center in a lot of them. I'm watching him. He's playing closer to, Sh- to uh, one uh, shade. Shade. Okay, fine. But you know, remember do one you, of my recommendations was that John Allen not be the one technique. Right. That settle that Payne be the one technique. Okay. In the four down in the four down fronts this week. You know who played shade. Four down fronts, not five. Deron Payne. Yeah. They so, moved Jonathan so back out to you, three tech. Do you like him as a nose? I mean, he's the obviously the most qualified nose they've had here since, you know, the whole three four thing with that started in twenty ten. Yeah. I mean, again, we're the how how we classify this just depends on how we classify our front. And since right. we're not a three down front right. or a a three four front, he's a in this game, he's a shade D tackle. Okay. I think the reason they played him with width is because that's the way you play Aaron Donald. And if he is your best potential monster, then you would play him at the three technique. They were trying to probably give him the advantage to be that guy. There are plays he'll make in the backfield, Kev, but he's not Aaron Donald. He does not have those quicks. He's got a good recovery speed. He's got good strength. He's he's very athletic, but he does not have those quicks, in my opinion, to be the three-tech, which means I do like him as the nose or shade D-tackle, in my opinion. Um, he was a B in this game. Okay. Jonathan Allen. Yeah. He has a little bit more quicks and is the three technique. Yep. And that's what he played in this game. Man, I thought positives hold point when he had to leverage low hat winner multiple times, really good upfield speed rush, you know, force quarterback out of the pocket. He's got speed. He's got good moves to beat an offensive guard, especially when he rushes outside of the offensive guard. Um, they stunted a lot, especially in that five down look when he's stunting in the run game, he is off the ball quick and he's got a knack to get himself in on plays. There's a couple plays in a row in the second quarter, um, about the seven and a half minute mark where he's stunting and making a play for two. And then he's again, stunting, making a play for zero. You're like, this dude is in on some stuff, man. Right. I, I mean, Ultimately, uh, there were a couple plays where you could say maybe torqued and turned a little bit and got out of gap one or two times. But mostly, for me, I thought Jonathan Allen played like a monster in the run game. He had some really good individual effort wins in the pass rush situations. And and almost sack, almost, that first play of that last drive, Allen was, I mean, it was a great little two-hand swat. and The 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 first play of the three-play drive? Yeah. At the end? Allen's in the back. Like, he's if that ball's not out immediately, that's a sack. Uh, I thought Jonathan Allen was an A in this game. Wow. Tim Settle played 27 plays. Uh, 
really he's good with hands you know he's a, he's a good hand guy and fall off late into a lot of the things he can create great upfield penetration in the run game did in this game especially with stunts he's not moved in in really pretty stout when it comes to getting double team and even off of that he's got a some good shed fall off make tackles i think he's really i think one of the questions with settle was will he play with the relentless effort that was one of the concerns coming out of virginia tech was that he's a like kind of one place spark player but yeah. i think settle since he's been here has played with really really good effort um again there are a couple of plays where he's turned and moved a little bit but very consistent i thought in this game and and ultimately even had a couple decent pressures not i wouldn't say pressure but rushes uh tim settle was an a minus ryan kerrigan uh in this game the kpl penalty man that was a great rip rush stunt by kerrigan to really free up that edge and free bostic on that play that was a very good rush we say we only had one sack. We did have two sacks. That was a sack. Right. Do they record? They don't record that as a sack. No, do they? it's a penalty. That sucks for Bostic. <laughs> yeah, he, he smacked him. Well, Bostic didn't, but KPL sure did. And more importantly, I mean, just like the second and 20 screen, these are opportunities to get off the field. Like instead of, you know, getting more plays where you then get gashed and people remember getting gashed and getting scored on, but they had a play good enough there to get off the field, except for KPL lowered his helmet and went after Stafford's helmet, which is stupid. Yeah. I was going to save that for KPL, so I just will. Back to Kerrigan. Yeah. Man, run, run game, hold the point, turn runs inside, pretty good. Stunt. Penetration in the run game, really good. And some solid pressures, really, to get in the face of Stafford a couple times. Some solid bull rush pressures where he's pushing their right tackle back into the face and into the lap of Stafford. Um, The negatives, (laughs) the two tight end situation, he can get moved that way, as Joe Gibbs would say. If he wants to go that way, let him go that way and move him that way. Right. And and the thing with Ryan is I think he's just been a part of a two gap defense a lot. And it's just like, dude, get low, take your gap, then dominate two tight ends. Play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I know he's got the ability to do that. Um, and then it, some of the rush stuff, like dude, I, I wrote this down, even with the idea of the back chipping him, he's going to slow down his rush. He does not want to get chipped. Um, I was questioning this, though, on the particular play I was talking about. Mm hmm. It was a third and 10 in the second quarter. It was a a good stop, and it looked like a pass breakup by Darby outside on the offensive right. Did Kerrigan tip that ball? Um, it looked like the ball came off weird. It's hard to see in the film clip, but I don't know. Did Kerrigan? He might have had a tip I'm ball watching, I'm watching to help it right a now. pass breakup on a third down. I'm watching it right now. Like he slows way down as the back comes at him. It's like, nah, don't chip me. I mean, he got his hands up. I, I can't tell from. Uh, yeah, it looks it's hard to tell on the film. You'd have to almost go back to the TV copy and see if they had a better cut of that. But uh, as I was be having some criticism of the actual rush getting double teamed, I think that he does a pretty good job of maybe deflecting that ball. Maybe not. Ryan Kerrigan was a B. Uh, Ryan Anderson played eight plays in this game, had no impact on the game, was not a positive impact on the game. At that point, he'd be a C-minus, D-plus kind of guy. So you recap your defensive front. Chase Young did not play well. He was a D in this ballgame. Montez Sweat was excellent. I gave him an A-minus. Duran Payne 
What did I grade to pain? I didn't think I gave you a grade to uh, pain, did I? No, you did. You gave pain, pain was a B. You gave pain a B. Yep. Pain was a B. Yep. Jonathan Allen was, I thought, excellent, excellent in this game. Jonathan Allen was an A. Tim Settle was really pretty consistent on 27 plays in this game. Was an A minus. Ryan Kerrigan was a B. Ryan Anderson, C minus. Um, you know, as you look at this defense, they're getting, and I'm going to get to this with the linebackers, they do have the idea that they can control the line of scrimmage, but there's just, you're going to hear this from Del Rio and you're going to hear this from Rivera again. And you're going to hear about gap integrity and there's just some lack of gap integrity. And, you know, you got to define it by either guys aren't your upfront guys aren't truly penetrating to get into the backfield to change that back's path or change the course. You know, they're getting out leveraged with a lot of gap scheme and counter runs. And that's how everyone's going to keep attacking them. They're not going to run zone at them. They're going to run that gap scheme stuff at them because their backers don't fit and fail quick enough. Um, they did make a concerted effort and it was shown this week with Bostic trying to attack the line of scrimmage right now with Holcomb trying to be impactful at the line of scrimmage right now. Um, and even, you know, Sean Dion Hamilton, who played four plays, made a play in the backfield. It was right. like it was clear that he, there was a decisive point, coaching point, to say attack as a linebacker when you see run. It was also clear to see that this week in some of the run action stuff, they were very caught up in the backfield on run action plays. And I think he basically said, we're going to attack the run. Right. If they beat us with, if they start beating us with some run action stuff, we will adjust to that. But ultimately, there was more aggressiveness. Let's get to the linebackers, mm -hmm. Kevin, unless you have something else. Nope. We'll do linebackers, then we'll do a commercial break, and then we'll finish up with the secondary. Start with the linebackers. Because they weren't a, you they weren't the a lot. Or the... Only three, two of them really played a lot. Uh, give me the give me Boston That's first. He, he played every single snap. You want the good or the bad? Uh, I want the bad first. No, I want the good first. It started off in a good note. You want the good first? Yeah, for Boston. He played fast. You're uh, tell me. Good look up tight end on a run action pass early in the game and, and a really good pattern match to a tight end. Like drop, found the tight end. I, I, okay. Didn't run the wrong great way. <laughs> no, a couple times he does, but we'll get to that. Uh, great blitz timing on the Saf Stafford sack. Really good. KPL, stupid penalty. Uh, good force, a quick decision on a scramble in zone coverage. Uh, it was the awkward Stafford flip play. He sees him coming out. And right. really great job forcing a, a quick decision there by Stafford. If he doesn't come up and force a quick decision, Fuller is playing an inverted two, and the receiver got well over the top of Fuller on that awkward stack, awkward flip play. That's a touchdown. Yeah, the flip play, it looked like he wanted the receiver to uh, – like it was a bad flip because yeah. they could have gotten some yards off that. Without Bostic in his face, he's going to get his eyes down the field. He's going to see that he had a receiver outside six yards beyond coverage, and he's going to throw an easy lob ball for a touchdown. Right. It is the Lions, though. They may have dropped it. They have more drops than anyone in the league, so ne you never know. Uh, much better at immediate gap fits. That's Bostic. You know, the first AP bounce run, he actually, he's in there. You know, he's got a chance. He doesn't make the tackle. I would say it's a tough tackle to make, and you'd want him to get that down. But, God, he's at least hitting it into the line of scrimmage. Right. You know, and if you, you pull it up and you can see that there, there's some clear mistakes made outside of that. But it's nice that he's forcing that bounce right now. Shouldn't have been a big game. Uh, really good. There's a third and 10 in the third quarter. He reroutes Hawkinson. Patter matches. Falls back into the dig in the middle of the field. And you're like, interesting. <laughs> interesting. I like it. 
Um, later in the game, I think this was af- actually after a play where he kind of got beat, but I wrote great rally to the ball and making a tackle outside the numbers. Looks like he's playing with a burr on. <laughs> as, that, is, as Coach Joe would say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I got I to gotta redirect here for a minute. McDenny, he used to always say that we got to play with, like our asses on fire. And I remember one day it was a motivational speech that he told this entire story about how his fraternity used to make guys put a roll of toilet paper in between their butt cheeks yeah, or like a, told me a story before yeah. three foot and <laughs> then and then they would light it and they would have to like run like they're if they if they got to a certain point in a bear in a bear crawl we're like really this is the story you're gonna tell us pre-game right that's funny <laughs> yeah oh coach Mike. i just love a little coaching we got play like our asses on fire well it's not coach there's no toilet paper hanging out of my behind right now oh irish mcdenny <laughs> It's hard for me to pretend that there is. <laughs> and even if there is, I'm not going to play. Like, if there's a roll of toilet, flaming toilet paper, I'm probably going to go find some water and put it out. I'm going to certainly not go tackle somebody. I'm going to certainly, you know, stop, drop, and roll at the very least. <laughs> yeah, at the very least, I'm going to quit the bear crawl and roll. Yeah. No one's going to paddle me on the football field for doing that. This isn't the frat house, coach. Okay. I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at pictures of old McDenny. Uh,. Oh, coach! You can find one. Oh, coach his, D. If his with his finger in his. I belly bet button. you. I bet you he was a bunch of fun after the game with the other coaches. All right, go ahead. He pro- actually he probably was. No, I'm sure he was. I'm almost positive of it. Um, Bostic. Bostic. Yeah. The negatives. Better with immediate gap fits, but still gets easily washed out of holes. Um, he's just. He's not a good take on offensive lineman linebacker. He's poor shed and poor fit to the lineman. He he's got to take guys on with his hands. Like he is a shoulder into one side of a lineman kind of guy. And if you watch the game, you're going to see it over and over and over again. Like and just let's do the physics of this. That guy's six five ish, definitely over three hundred pounds. You're six three around two forty. You put your shoulder into him. And not physically put your shoulder into him. And Bostic's going to widen his base. He's going to get his feet outside shoulder width and then lean his shoulder into a guy. What is physics going to tell you here? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's going to tell you that the offensive lineman is going to kick the shit out of you. Right. That's what it's going to tell you. Okay. But better immediate gaffets. Um, uh, there's a couple situations with some of the zone stuff. Like, early in the game, Cameron Curl's got to carry as an underneath defender a vertical tight end, so he's got to he's got to carry that, and then it's a run action play where only AP goes out to the flat. He's got a flat replace. He is literally AP is the only potential eligible receiver on Bostic's side of the hash, and Bostic is sitting on the hash looking at Stafford. Like KPL had to carry that. Like there's nobody else out there anyway. Right. Nobody's coming to the middle of the field. And if they do, Holcomb's right there on the other side of me. I'm not responsible to sit on the hash and cover fucking air. It's an easy <laughs> nine-yard throw out to the flat to Adrian Peterson. You're like, who's going to get him? Oh, man. I mean, they must be pulling their hair out on the linebacking. <laughs> uh, the Cephas drop on the play-action oh, yeah. dr- dr- drift route. Yeah. I mean, it's just a poor reaction to to run action pass. I mean, that's just really what it is. Uh, the second and twenty screen, 
We talked about this Monday for a please, while. Please help me with why they sent pressure on second and 20 like that. Because Del Rio likes to blitz. He does like to blitz. He thought he'd get him in a third third and 27 situation? I, I, I don't know why I'd you like, I'd like there. Th- I'd like third and 15 or third and 12. I'll take that. Uh, I'll... I don't know exactly why you're sending pressure there, but if you are sending pressure, you better have answers for screen because second 20s have really common screen down. Yeah. Um, so KP again, I've watched this KPL you'd love, or not KPL camera curl. You'd love him to feel that the back sets up like he's going to block curl. Right. And then, he, turn, he doesn't even really touch him. You'd lo- I think you'd love Curl to feel that, but Curl's the first guy off the edge, and he's flying up the field. Bostic has to see yeah, the screen. He's, yeah, he's got to be he's delayed. One. He's delayed a second. I mean, like, oh. that's just if Bostic, I mean, if Bostic, that's just bad instincts. If Bostic it's had just a, bad instincts. If he's got a sense it's second and 20, uh-oh, look at the, what's going on here. Um, the, the, the We're getting quick pressure. It's a screen. I can see the lineman popping out. If he gets over there, it's a Stafford throwing it into the ground, and it's third and 20. He throws it at the, you know, at the feet, incomplete. Exactly. But Bostic There's had no, no idea. <laughs> he, blinders. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get Stafford here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good God. Blinders. He's got to see that. They're lucky it didn't score. Again, oh, if Kendall Fuller doesn't come flying over from the other side of the field to make a really good tackle, it does score. Because as he breaks that out, Jimmy Moreland kind of gets off a block, and then he just sits there waiting like, "Ah, which way are you going to go? And he has literally no chance of making that tackle. Swift jukes him out of his freaking socks. And as that ball cuts back, I mean, there is only Kendall Fuller. You know that that's, re- a, that, that's a sixer right there. That play drives. I decided me I was going to call touchdowns today. Sixers. I, was, I, I actually made a decision. Sixers. No one. Can, no one's called it that. No. Oh, here comes a sixer. Here comes an old sixer. No, I'm going to call him. We stopped the sixer oh, a, barely. Thank, sixer courtesy of Kendall Fuller, great tackle. But <laughs> that play, that play really dro- drove me nuts. I, I just we've all yeah. watched enough football to know second and twenty screen draw. I see. I would personally. I one of the reasons I I, I kind of like Gary Kubiak as a, as an OC. I love using a lot of screens on first down and on second and four, or you know on third and five or third and six. I don't, especially when you have a back that can make people miss and is decisive and has good vision. But second and twenty, you know it's coming. What are you doing? <laughs> it's- that's why I love Andy Reid. I think he's a great screen caller. Yeah, him too. Creative. Um. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Third and four, 11 minutes left in the third quarter. There's an easy completion on a sit-down route to the tight end right in front of Bostic. Who are you covering, dude? <laughs> like, where are, you, where are you dropping? Yeah. I, I, I just – those plays drive me nuts. It must be harder than I think for linebackers to pattern match. It just must be. Oh, one more thing. I, 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 well, you were talking. I thought of this. On the second and 20 screen, Yeah, I'll bet you anything Rivera's sitting there on the sideline like, Luke Keekley would have never let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said the other day, I mean, what's missing more than anything in the Rivera defense is a middle linebacker. 
and I and I I played that on the radio show because I thought that's really interesting because because coaches who are known for being defensive coaches or coaches like the guy that they need to make it happen they're going to go get that guy like he's not going into 2021 without that guy that is an absolute lock that they address the middle linebacker position in the off season and I'm assuming that it's not Reuben Foster so to me that's why this draft, you've got a guy like Micah Parsons from Penn State who could be available to them early, um, you know, in the first six, seven picks. And, and that's why I'm not so sure quarterbacks on the table early um, and that maybe Alex and Kyle are both back next year. But anyway, continue. Last couple things. Um, weight on the running back at the line of scrimmage equals get blocked. I mean – he still did it a couple times. Um, way overrun the spin route on the touchdown in the third quarter. I mean, you're just not going to put him on man coverage in that situation. That's just it's you just can't do it. He fell down. That was a nice little route by that was Swift, right? Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, on, on, late the, in the, game, on uh, the touchdown, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was Swift. Yeah, it was Swift, right? Yeah. Bostic, I think, actually had his best grade in a while, though. He was a C minus. Okay. Um, Holcomb. So here, here's an interesting thought, though, like. When I watch – this is one thing I hate when I do these film breakdowns, and we have been tough on Bostic. We really have. I love Bostic. I know what you're I, saying. I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I enjoy him as a guy. Like, I think he's a great dude, and I'm sure he's a great leader. And I'm sure there's aspects of what he does in terms of getting the defense and stuff lined up that are important to you. I, I think he's a great dude. But my middle linebacker has to be better instinctually. And he is not. And at the point that he is not an instinctual player at linebacker, I'm going to look to somebody else. I just am. Yeah. He's not an instinctual player. He's right now not just a guy. He's below Jag as a player. And for me, it's like, look, there's guys like I haven't seen a ton out of Sean Dion that's showed me that he's the guy, right? Right. The one thing I personally know about Sean Dion Hamilton is he's incredibly bright. Well, Sean Dion Hamilton was a valedictorian in high school. Well, there, there's something to that. And if it's just about getting guys lined up and wanting to know that you can call the defense, like how could he not handle that? Right. And maybe he comes in and starts making some plays. Like it's hard to play four plays a game. It's hard to play ten plays a what game. What about Davis? He, dude, Davis can't run. Yeah. And and that's a position they got to have a guy that can run right now. I think they saw that in a couple of the early games. Like Davis just can't run anymore. Um, I don't know, Kev. I mean, to me, is a it's something they got to they well, got to well, find. Well, you've already find you've already answer. made this suggestion. You, you'd play Holcomb there. Well, I wouldn't play Holcomb in the bear. Like I would if, if I was going to use that bear defense that they've been doing. Granted, Bostic struggles to get off blocks. I just put him over the tight end. But then at that, they're asking him to man cover the tight end. And as soon as you get Bostic command coverage on a tight end, they're going to say that we have a premier, premier matchup, and then they're going to attack that matchup. I don't know what I would do with Bostic. I don't think I would have him on the field. Um, I, I have – okay, you're a two-win team. You don't have a lot to lose. Well, I, uh, you, you could fall out of the division race. <laughs> actually i don't know that we're it's possible even to fall out of this division race before like middle of december but anyway positives from cole holcomb yeah uh really good rally to tackle on a screenplay out in space i like 
his pressure on a as a blitzer on the KPL. Or I keep calling Cameron Curl KPL because his name starts with K. I don't know why. Yeah. But good pressure by Holcomb. Uh, really good take on two. Draw a holding penalty on the Y screen. Uh, aggressive run fits. He does not let double teams get to him. He attacks the double teams. Um, Holcomb, again, he played a ton more at the line of scrimmage. I don't see him as an at the line of scrimmage bear def- defender. That's bear like the Chicago Bears. Right. That's why they call it that. But I, I don't I don't think that's his best fit. I don't like him playing there. It's not his best fit. It's not where I want him. I, I want him playing with a little bit of space where he can attack the line of scrimmage from five yards. Uh, a couple times guessing, playing behind blocks. Um, one of the counter bounce plays you, early, the AP one. He's he's guessing there. He's playing behind a block. Uh, the Cephas drop play, really poor reaction to play to play action. Or he's a blitzer. It, I mean, he might have been a blitzer. It, it's just either he's beaten by action or he's blitzing on that play. If he is blitzing on that play, it's real bad by Boston. Um, give up an easy throw to the flat. He's out leveraged quick. He's a quarters defender at one point in the flat. Um, eyes man like hawkinson immediate release to the flat you are four deep three underneath as you're three underneath he's the left defensive side you got from basically the hash to the flat as soon as someone attacks the flat you need to address that problem if you don't they're gonna throw it out there right um learn from kpl man watch him go attack the flats watch too far by hawkinson inside uh push out a gap as the bear defender Hawkinson's pretty good. Um, I think jump it, inside. By, by the way, you, you know, you've mentioned so much about the 46 the last two weeks. and That's what we're running. I understand that. You know, Rivera played for Buddy Ryan and played on the, those Bears teams, you know, and, and for uh-huh. Dave Kidd, the, the whole thing. I, I think the biggest problem is that they had Mike Singletary. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we have John ba- Boster Gandor, you know, somebody else filling in. Like it really helps if you've got Singletary and oh by the way Richard Dent, although that's should be Chase Young and um Doug Plank and you know, it's safety. I mean they 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 don't have the personnel right now behind their front four. So anyway, continue. No, they absolutely don't. I mean, I actually think playing KPL <laughs> If I do this again, I'm going to slap myself in the face. Playing Cameron Curl as that bear defender would be better than playing Holcomb. Right. So here's my suggestion of the week. See if we get it done. If you want to keep the same personnel on the field and you want to stay in a bear defense, play Holcomb back in the box and put KPL over the tight end. He's an aggressive run defender who can stay in gap and take on a block by a tight end. Right. He's also a guy that can play man coverage on a tight end. I think Holcomb's a better run player from space or from off. I would play Holcomb back, and I would play KPL as your bear defender if you want to stay in that. Um, man, there's a bubble screen late that he jumps inside Marvin Jones on a bubble screen, gets picked or pinned, and it's like, dude, you got you got play through a receiver. You cannot take a side on a receiver. Right. It's just you, you you you're willing to play through an offensive tackle. You better knock the snot out of a receiver, which never happens. Like snot really never comes out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Got knock, especially snot. especially during these times. We want snot bubbles. <laughs> I've been hit really hard. I've never had a bubble come out of my nose. Um, and then misses a tackle underneath on a second and twenty in the fourth quarter. There's an underneath throw. Should have been a gain of four. Ends up gaining thirteen in the fourth quarter. Holcomb was not good in this game. He was a D plus. Okay. KPL played 14 plays. Obviously, we understand the stupidity of the penalty on Stafford. This is what I wrote, though. 
Like you, instead it, of just saying like stupid play, man, go for the ball. Right. The quarterback's wrapped up. He ain't going anywhere. Like he, he's going to do one of two things. He's going to go down or he's going to get a little bit anxious with that ball and maybe even try to throw it out. And as late as he was, attack the ball, address the football. Turnovers are better than sacks. You're going to get that penalty that is going to get called every single time. He literally speared Stafford. I know he did. God. Now, and it was so it was frustrating the, because Stafford was fighting to try to keep the play alive. He didn't go down right away with Bostick's tackle. And so he's open to be hit, but you can't lead with your helmet on in towards his helmet. Just go in there. And it, it's frustrating because it's like clinic the way we were taught to play football. Although part of me thinks that even if there wasn't helmet to helmet, just in this day and age, if he because Stafford was fighting but probably perceived to be down, that they yep. may have flagged it anyway. But whatever, I, I just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I I get it that you want to just nail somebody, but not the quarterback, not anymore. No. You think that's why he only had 14 snaps or whatever he had in the game? No, I think it had more to do with the fact that they wanted to play five down front and yeah. have settle on the field more than KPL. Okay. Essentially, that's, I think, the big part of it. Um, there's a second one. He's outrun to the flat in the fourth quarter. Poor eyes. Flat out leverages him quick. It's a good rally to make a tackle, but it's too much of a gain. Um, look, he, he's a good tackling guy. He's got speed. He shows that speed. That's who he is. He's a flat playing like I, he's a quarters defending flat player. That's what I see as KPL. Definitely a weak side linebacker, which is what they have him playing at. He, I like him in his role. He's a good blitzer. He's got good speed. Um, he's not a man-to-man type of player. He's a zone underneath player who plays hook flat. Uh, he was a C minus in this game. Okay. Plays. Really, probably should have just given him an F because the one impactful play he really had was a big one. Well, I'm glad you didn't. Um, did you grade Deion Hamilton or not? Deion Hamilton had four plays. If you want to grade him, he was an A. He, oh, really? He okay. had kind of a couple plays where you could see good instincts, and then he had the one play in the backfield. I mean, if you, it's hard for the way I grade. It's hard. You can't get to an A on four plays. Right. Well, you just did. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back and finish up with the secondary. The best way to learn a language: immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, let's finish up the film breakdown with Cooley's grading of the secondary. Start with Kendall Fuller. Positives. 
Uh, great trail motion or trails emotion great on a second down and long comes up with a good tackle you get to a third nine big situation really big tackle on the screen across the field to save the sixer (laughs) to save the sixer yeah uh early in the game he lets counter bounce out bounce outside it's the third play of the game he overruns it he's definitely contained it definitely bounces outside that can't happen the first touchdown it's all you buddy Yep, beat on all those underneath routes last week. What do you think is going to happen next week? We're going to give you a little nod. We're going to give you a little takeoff. We expect that you don't want to get beat on the underneath routes, and so we're going to get some double move stuff. And it wasn't even much of a double move, so that was really not a very good play by Kendall Fuller. Everyone saw it. It's very clear. Uh, I wrote this um, third and four, 44 seconds in the first quarter. It's the awkward Stafford flip play. He's a two-invert player. If the quarterback sees this over the top, he's going to give up another touchdown right there. Now, the butterfly effect is he probably wouldn't have given up the second cover two-invert touchdown, which we'll get to. <laughs> uh, the The second one that he gives up, yeah, he, he they're playing – we've went through this a bunch of times. They're playing cover well, two. Talib did a great job too. With the corners. Yeah. Right. And then you have inside help in the middle of the field. It's two invert really two sky. I don't know why they call it sky, but they do. A lot of people call it two sky. Um, he just drops too far inside his, his initial landmark drop takes him almost head up with the number two receiver or the yeah. slot guy. Right. And he, really you got to drop to split the difference right there. Uh, you got some help in the middle of the field vertical initially with with Bostic being the the Tampa linebacker there it's just a poor drop it's it's really what it is um he knows what he's doing he just gets lost a little bit too far inside and he can't come back outside to make that play third quarter gives up a comeback he really gets spun on the comeback on a run action pass it's an easy throw and catch he's got to stay closer and into the hip of the receiver and be able to close right there. Uh, I'm getting the feeling that he was afraid about afraid of getting run by a point in the game. Uh, fourth quarter. Again, there's a bounce play. Can't happen. He loses contain. It's 17 yards uh, out the gate. Was that the it, third and one? Yeah. Third and one in the fourth quarter, another bounce play. And if man, if you want to play five solid up front on the line of scrimmage and control the line of scrimmage, your corners have got to be able to control that bounce stuff he cannot give that up it's twice in the game he gave up big plays to those bounce situations is his job there to contain and everything back absolutely absolutely you got seven guys playing inside the box like keep it inside i mean they went down and scored a field goal on that drive right yeah they did the deep ball in the fourth quarter that cephas didn't get to that we thought was that can't happen it is Apke. It's Apke, and it's, it's Fuller, and though. it's Kendall Fuller. They're in they're in quarters coverage. Essentially, the guys over the top down the sideline. Which, if you want to really count quarters, then yeah, I see that. That's definitely Fuller. That's definitely Fuller's quarter of the field. I mean, it's it's terrible by Apke, but still, the ball leads him back out into the outside and. Look, in that particular play, they have a corner route. And that corner route, really, that deep out is right. if you can get that that the corner back to sit down just a little bit, man, let's take a shot. And that's what they did. Um, what do you always, how do you always there, describe in quarters coverage? 
you know, like Fuller's got the guy running the um, the route towards the sideline, and he's got Cephas going down the field, and he's supposed to, like, basically split the middle there, right? How, how have you described that well, to me in the past? Yeah, what, what... No, no, I mean, there's a diff- There's a lot of different ways you could play this, okay? Like, you could say quarters lock it, which would mean that if the number one guy outside starts to go out, you're going to let the, the corner drive on it, which would lock the safety. But you're in quarters prevent in this situation, which means your underneath coverage should get enough depth to easily take away the corner route. Even I up see to that. 20 which yards. Moreland does. Yeah, which Moreland does a great job of. And Kendall Fuller has no business keeping his eyes on that corner route. Got it. I'm sure that in, the, in a quarters prevent look, which they're in, it's very clear that Kendall Fuller gets caught up in the wash there. Right. Uh, he was a D, D minus. Wow. He was not good in this game. Ronald Darby. Yeah. Uh, the positives, really good drive out of his back pedal on a third and 10 yeah. in the second quarter as a pass breakup. It's a big play. Tlaib broke that uh, down really well about, about the way he stopped, planted, drove, you know, and drove. Like he said that he played that perfectly. Yeah. Great transition. Uh, another pass breakup on a corner, corner route on a third and nine. Hawkinson runs the corner, does a great job getting in on that, and it's a pass breakup. Uh, early in the game, they run a scissors combination, a corner and a post. Mm-hmm. It's cover three. Uh, as a cover three player, the corner is going to get into your third. Shays, the single high, was ready to pass off and take the post for him. Uh, the ball was thrown incomplete on the corner out, but it was open. He's got to be able to feel that two-man combination with the post in the corner. Um, the Cephas drop play. Yeah. I almost want to go through this again a few times because it's just not a sound defense for this situation. If Holcomb's a blitzer, and I think he is, it makes it, Three deep, three underneath, what a lot of coaches would call 33B, 33 blitz, three, three blitz. Okay. So if you're going to do that, you're taking a dude out of the middle of the field in early first and 10 type of situations, which means you got big holes in the middle of the field. I think in that situation, you got to do a better job of locking the in break. So essentially, you're going to take your corner, Darby, in this situation, situation and say you're going to lock any in-breaking route. Now, there's nobody coming back out that's going to threaten his third in this situation. But even at that, if there is, I'm going to say I'm going to have to lock my underneath defender, who I think would be Cameron Curl right here, or Holcomb, one of the two. Like Anything goes vertical behind it, we're going to have to lock that too. But it's almost turning a 33 zone look into you know some man-matched concept. But if you don't lock him, how are you going to stop that play? Don't tell me linebacker depth because I'm going to tell you right now, the way I was coached and the way that play was installed is we're not even going to look at the linebacker. We'll give a hard enough run action that we're, we're, he we're will gonna, never turn around to get himself into that play. Him, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's how Shanahan coached it is we never even got to look at this dude. He'll never play it. And then oddly enough, like – Four weeks later, we were playing the Rams, and that linebacker turns around. He's running (laughs) helmet 
facing the goal line away from the quarterback and throws his hand up and the ball hits his hand and then it gets tipped and picked. You're <laughs> like, how the hell does this happen? Right. Like he's got his he's he's helmet the back of his head's facing the quarterback. You're like, well, they got it. Um if Kevin you if you are a dropping line break. if you are a dropping linebacker and you can read the eyes wouldn't you always throw your arms up as much and jump well, <laughs> and, and knowing that it's we on the way read the eyes because he was not looking unless he had eyes in the back of his head in that play he wasn't he wasn't going to read eyes looking reading receivers eyes oh I think the linebacker in that situation was just running feverishly to wherever he was <laughs> supposed up. to be like, Oh no, I got to get back. Ah! Throws his arms up, ball hits in his hand. You're like, come on with this. Mm-hmm. You never worry about the linebacker on that play. The guy's going to drift into a hole in the middle of the field. It's the quarterback's job to throw it around the linebacker. Then the, the, with the run action stuff, that plays so quick hitting the quarterback's going to hit his, his fifth step and it's out. Right. 83 receptions for 1300 yards, 2012, Robert Griffin, that one play. It's a yeah. good play. Uh, they run the one I said, Kendall Fuller's got to close on the corner route yeah. or the comeback. Yeah. We didn't get in the hip. It's a run action, two players to the left side, their man to man coverage. So Darby traveled the inside receiver selling a deep crossing route and then whipping back out of that. He way overruns the crossing route. It wouldn't have mattered who Stafford threw the ball to. They were both open. And and that's one of those things where you're like, okay, let's grade a corner on pro football focus. Well, no ball. So no grade. Like, no, he got smoked. Right. (laughs) He shit his pants trying to cover the crosser, and they whipped out of it. That's a bad play. Yeah. So I graded it a bad play. And then late in the game, fourth quarter, second and 11, really slow break on the old button hook. (laughs) (laughs) So when you talk about the ability to drive and transition, as you mentioned, Tlaib said, there's also plays where it's not great drive and transition. Which makes him a decent cover corner, not an elite cover corner. Right. He was a C-plus in this game. Jimmy Moreland, 22 plays. We'll be quick with this. Um, I thought better as a dropping corner underneath, really, the first two invert that Fuller gave up the touchdown. I thought Moreland did a great job dropping to real depth to take anything away and help Fuller out there. I don't know, man. It was pretty good. Uh, great tackle on an Amendola screen on the Amendola handoff that was not a penalty. That was a weird call. No, that was, that, they called that a penalty. Yeah, they called it a forward lateral or an illegal forward pass. It was it was not. It was backwards. He handed it or off handed to him backwards, to him. Yeah. very obviously. Yeah, I agree. Uh, deep shot on a third and two in the third quarter. They threw a deep ball to Jones on a third and two. Really good in the hip pocket of Jones right there. Gives no chance. Uh, a couple negatives. Missed big time on the second and 20 screen. Like, you got to go make a play there. You cannot wait for him to come to you. He's a big dude. Yeah. And then a missed tackle on the touchdown by DeAndre Swift in the third quarter, uh, the one where he beat Bostic. Um, that's a big back, bro. Like, that's not a favorable matchup. I mean, he didn't turn it down. It wasn't a, There wasn't a business decision made, but he got trucked. Right. Jimmy Moreland was a B minus. You've actually graded him pretty well in the last few weeks. I was just checking that because there was a you know a couple of games where you were down on him, but he's bounced back in your eyes. Yeah, 
He hasn't played much. I think he should be outside, and I still think Kendall Fuller should be playing safety. Mm-hmm. Did a heck of a job with some cover two looks. This No, I'm just kidding. Uh, DeShazer, 32 plays before he was injured. How injured is he? Do you know? You got you get the report on that? Um, I don't have that. You know, We'll know today when we get the injury report to see if he uh, practiced. They need him, though. He got hurdled. He got hurdled, man. Yeah, my Swift. Don't put your head down. Don't put your head down to tackle. You know what's funny about that? If he hits the running back, he's leading with his helmet. They're not going to call that. <laughs> no. But that's when you get hurdled, you are leading with your helmet. That is the only way you get hurdled. Unless the guy's got a six-foot vertical. Right. That vert by Swift was pretty sweet, though. Uh, I'll bet that Swift planned that. I bet Based you- on the way DeShazer comes down and the way he- – the way he tackles, I'll, I'll bet you Swift said as soon as I get to that second level, I'm jumping 22. Right. I bet it was planned. Uh, late drive on a dig. Um, in one of these plays where they're throwing a dig to the middle of the field, no real potential vertical threats in the middle of the field. I th- And I thought this a couple times in this game, too passive with too much depth on some of his drops as a single high safety. Like, trust what you see. Drive on balls. And then the screen, the second 20 sh- screen, that was a shitty angle he took, and he overruns the screen completely, has no chance to make a play. Shays was a C-minus C- on 32 plays, which leaves us with just Cameron Curl. Oh, Fabian played eight plays. He had no – he was nothing. Yeah, but he played at least. One play yeah. – uh, there, was, there was a play he was out leveraged to the flat. And we, he played at least. Right. You think he feels like he played? Well, you pretty do, sore today. You do, you do have to have Apke in here. Did you, did you evaluate uh, Apke? Yeah. Yeah, I, I evaluated Apke. Okay. Um, you know, there's a couple plays. Like I just mentioned where Moreland was in the hip on the third and two. Deep shot. Like Apke's in great position there playing over the top. Um, the deep ball in the fourth quarter can't happen. Right. You know, 27 plays for Apke, not a big impact player in this game, but could have been one. Yeah. <laughs> could have been <laughs> Very one. close. Apke was also a C minus. Right. And Curl. And it gets us to Cameron Curl. Cameron Curl was my second highest note player for whatever that means. I took more notes on Bostic and Curl than anybody else, which means they had a lot of impacts in a positive or negative way that were notable. (laughs) The positives. Uh, Wheel route by Hawkinson early in the game. Really good job running with him. No catch. Good play. Great tackle on a screen on a first and 20 in the fourth quarter. Um, They did realize that on the distance of about 20 yards, they're going to try to throw screens after they give up the big one. Right. Um, good job playing a boot uh, flat route in the fourth quarter. It's the one where uh, Chase Young got in his face, forced the bounce pass, but, you know, he curls right there. Good job with crushing and inserting wide receiver on a run play in the box, knock him back, make a tackle. Um, the positives from Curl essentially summing this up for me is – he plays tenacious, man. He makes tackles all over the field. He's pretty consistent for the most part and aggressive in the run game in some of his fits. Um, as we get to the negatives, I'm just going to start with this again. He's really raw. Yeah. But you um, like him. Yeah, I do. The Cephas drop ball, we keep mentioning this play. It was a bad defensive play. Is why I keep going. There's a lot of people out of position, but... 
like he's got to get depth in his drop and and take away the dig. So they run that deep enough run action and they run a flat player out behind it late. I think it's the back that took the fake and he buzzes the flat hard. And it's like, you're really, especially in 33 with the, with the blitz, if it is 33 B you're, you're a hook flat defender at that point, you're not just a flat defender. So you get some depth, not as much width. And then just, you got to be able to drive on that flat. But if they get us like, that's one of those ones where you go, Ah, they got us with a good call here. If they get us with a good call, we want to tackle the back for a five-yard gain. We don't want to give up the deep in for a 25-yard gain. Right. That's kind of the principle. Is We're hoping to get something else. They got us with a good call. Let's give up the underneath throw because we're playing smart. Uh, held move by Stafford eyes too much in zone coverage. Uh, I said, you got to understand route combinations and trust yourself a little bit more and be able to pass off some of the things to the next defender inside. That's some of the trust things, you know, you feel a vertical inside threat, but you got someone still going to the flat and Stafford's not looking flat, but you got to be able to trust some of the combinations. Uh, I would have loved to have seen him have more feel on the second and 20 screen, the deep one. Look, that's an instinct feel play because he's definitely a blitzer. He thinks he's going to get past the back. Usually the back's going to touch you, at least if they're going to protect, at least try to touch you. Like he, he, as soon as you like, I love when guy, this happens. It didn't happen with curl. Like the back doesn't touch him. They take two steps and they're like, Whoa, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) There's a reason something just happened here. I'm not that free. And I'll bet in part it was three or four of these blitzes in the last week to a couple games. He has been free. He has been unblocked. They have got him free rushes. Not this time, pal. Uh, Oh, in the positives, I did mention that he had a big sack. Yeah, he did. He missed, and then he gets back in on it on a third and and, seven blitz. I think somehow got into my bottom section of my notes, the negative area, but that was a good play. Um, at leverage as a, a flat player in the fourth quarter, he's caught inside. Again, that goes back to eyes and feel. Um, gives up an easy nine-yard gain, getting stuck on an inside receiver when you have another defender inside to take that over. A third and one bounce in the fourth quarter. Uh, he's also part of that. You know, we talked about Kendall Fuller giving up that bounce play. The receiver comes down tight, and he's really what the receiver's job there is to – go with the most dangerous man and they call that push and crack. So he's going to, the receiver's job is kind of push at the corner and then crack the safety curls better than that, man. It's not that receiver is really not doing a heck of a job cracking on curl. Um, Again, it's, it's more on fuller, but curl's got to be better than that too. He should see that a little bit earlier and play through that block. And then really the next play, he had a missed tackle on a chance to make a tackle for about a two yard gain inside. Um, There's some things I like about curl. There's some things I don't, he was a C in this game. So that pretty much wraps your secondary Um, curl C Darby C plus Jimmy Moreland, B minus Kendall Fuller, D minus DeShazer Everett, C minus Troy Apke, C minus. All right, I've got one question for you right after I tell you um, about my bookie. Uh, we've still got college football left. Um, we've got a lot of opportunities for you to bet uh, college football, pro football, the rest of the way. I would suggest if you don't have an online book, you're looking for another to comparison shop, 
Uh, go to my bookie. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that my bookie offers every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boost and boast a fully-fledged casino giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie, and when you do, use my promo code KEVINDC to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you're already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Use my promo code Kevin DC. All right, here's the one question for you, and then you're out of here. And we'll bring in Chase Hughes to talk about Wall and Westbrook. Have they missed Landon Collins the last two weeks? Kevin, I think it's a really good question about missing Landon Collins. I'm not so sure that the biggest issue has been the strong safety position. I, I mean, there are things that Cameron Curl's done really well. It's just when I've, when I've looked at Landon Collins, like, you miss a great player. You miss the good Landon Collins. And there were some parts of games where he was excellent. But I can't say that that's definitively a problem or the, the problem they've had on defense. Um, if he's great, yeah, you miss him. Absolutely. But when he's been average, no, camera curl has been fine in some of these situations. So it's a tough question really for me to answer. Cause I, I, I've I just like, I like, him, I like him in the box. I like him in, you know, as, as a run box safety, as just a, a more aggressive presence. My See, first, that's, that's the thing. The thing is, is that's what camera curl is. I understand that. But they've and and he's been really impactful as an aggressive down in the box type of player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And yet, I, I, yeah, and yet I mean, what's what's, so what's yeah, really interesting him. is DeShazer Everett, who's played free safety, is maybe their most intimidating defender in their back seven. And I think he is anyway, and he's their free safety, which is fine. But sometimes I think Everett would make a good box safety too. Well, see, that's kind of what I said a week ago. Yeah. Is I think Everett Everett is more of a box safety, and if you have Everett as more of a box safety type of player, Fuller you know, plays free. what do you do with Fuller plays free, and then Curl plays your nickel guy instead of and, and and really instead of a guy like KPL, I think you get better coverage out of a guy like Cameron Curl. I don't know. There's there's some things that I think they can tinker with and toy with. The one I would say to you. Don't get enamored with the fact that you're a top 10 defense right now. Right. Like you've, you've got really good players and because of your consistent front, there's a lot of things in versatility that you can have defensively. Like let's not get overwhelmed with the fact that we're a great defense. We're not a great defense. They're an okay defense. And that's what they are. They're a talented, okay defense at this point, in my opinion, like so, tinker with it. You're two and seven. <laughs> what do you have to lose? Like, go find your best. Go find your best role players in certain situations as you move to next year. But I All guess right. I guess they got to win. You know, three of the next five games here to keep themselves alive, according to the staff. And they're probably going to try to do that. So they're probably going to try to stick with whatever they've been sticking with. All right. Thanks. Good job. Uh, appreciate it. Talk to you.
Talk to you. All right, I want to finish up the podcast today with Chase Hughes, uh, who does a great job covering the Wizards and the NBA for NBC Sports Washington. You can follow him on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS. Uh, for those that haven't followed it very closely, last night the Athletic broke a story that the Wizards and Rockets had conversations about a Russell Westbrook John Wall deal. Uh, I had Tommy Shepard chase on the show this morning. He didn't deny the talks. I mean, it was pretty clear that there were conversations. What do you make of that? And then if, you know, the deal were to happen, and I would bet against it, but it could happen. But what do you make of the reports? What do you make that they're interested, you know, potentially interested in dealing John? And then, you know, just about who would get the better of that deal? Well, the Wizards have been really quiet about this, and your interview with Tommy, I think, represented him confirming that it was true. He said, you know, that's what that was, and kind of downplayed it. But it, it's really fascinating to me, and the more I've thought about it, the more I, I think I've come to the realization that this is probably the biggest trade rumor I've ever seen the Wizards be involved in. And I followed them since I was a kid when they were the Bullets, and uh, I've always thought, you know, especially in the last couple decades and the last few years, that They've never even really been involved in these type of rumors, much less been involved in a blockbuster trade. So I think my first reaction is that this is a different direction that Tommy Shepard's taking them in, and I think it's a good direction. Even engaging in these discussions tells me that Tommy's going to be more aggressive than Ernie Grunfeld ever was. And I think you have to be aggressive in the NBA. They've been too risk-averse for many, many years, uh, kind of being beholden to drafting and developing and retaining their own guys. Uh, even when they probably should have let some players go, like maybe an Otto Porter Jr. in hindsight. So the fact that they're having this discussion means that, to me, that Tommy's willing to swing big and he's willing to set aside loyalty in a potential deal. And I think that's an important note to make because there's been a really strong reaction from Wizards fans to this rumor because they love John Wall, and I understand it. John Wall, he's been a great player. He's a great pillar of the community. But if you look at this objectively, if they don't have to attach much to get Russell Westbrook, then you have to do the trade. Uh, you know, all things I mean, I, within uh, within reason, of course. You're talking about John Wall. Yes, he's two years younger, but he's coming off a very serious injury. They have the same contract. Uh, there's just so much uncertainty there. If you get Russell Westbrook in the Eastern Conference, I know he's 32. I know he's relying on athleticism. But I think you pair him with Beal, and you're at least a middle-of-the-road playoff team in the Eastern Conference. And if you add some pieces, maybe you can go further than you've been in a long time. You know, I loved your first part of the answer. And I'm kicking myself, Chase, because it's smart. And for a few years, I was very critical always on the air that a guy like Ted Leonsis, you know, Mr. Big Tech AOL, you know, entrepreneur, thought so small and didn't think big enough. And I think you made a great point. Now, whether or not Westbrook is really a representation result-wise of the, the kind of thinking big, like two years ago I said, I would trade the entire team for Kawhi Leonard. Let's start thinking big. You've got to have a top five player in this league to have a chance to win it all. And Beal and Wall together are never going to win a title. They just aren't, in my view. Start thinking big. Start thinking big in terms of free agents. Stop selling yourself so short. I think it's a really interesting point, and I think that that's true. I think the fact that this is true, that these two sides have talked, means that Tommy's thinking a little bit bigger. Now, Westbrook, Wall, Westbrook, you know, 
I was always a big Westbrook fan. I still am. I don't think there's anybody that tries harder and competes harder in any professional sport than Russell Westbrook. But I also have come to the conclusion over the years, being a big fan of his, that you can't win with him in the postseason. He plays too fast. His mind races too fast. And it, it, it it's a bad decision, turnover waiting to happen, you know, deal. And by the way, he's just a very... Um, inconsistent shooter. I actually think he's got some mental issues when it comes to shooting. He pulls the string on a lot of shots. I think he's become much less confident in his long-range shot. But really good point. Um, is I, I just took too long to, 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 to compliment you on that, but I think it really is a reflection maybe of a totally different approach by Shepard. Um, the, the, the actual deal itself, I mean – it, to me, it just comes down to whether or not John Wall can be John Wall again. Because if he can, and they know that, you know, I don't know how much they'd actually gain with Westbrook. But if, but if Wall's not going to be physical John Wall, 100 mile an hour up and down the court, speed, athleticism John Wall, then maybe it ends up being a steal. Yeah, I mean, if, if Tommy could trade John Wall before he comes back from his injury, I think within reason, obviously, if they gave up five first-round picks, it wouldn't be a good deal. But it'd be a rather extraordinary feat. I mean, I, I've all along, people have asked me, well, how can they get rid of this contract? And I've said, well, you're not going to get rid of it until he proves he's healthy and he comes back on the floor and, and just proves that he can at least play. And then maybe you can you know, attach a pick and get rid of him for nothing. If you were able to trade John Wall for a guy in Russell Westbrook who – you just went through all the flaws, and I can't disagree with any of them. But bottom line is, he just made the All-NBA team. I mean, so he was, uh, by at least one measure, a top-15 guy in the league, and he's probably going to diminish from here. And John Wall, if healthy, I think his game will probably age better because of his passing ability. Yeah, I think he's a, a bit of a more skilled player than Russell Westbrook, a little bit less reliant on athleticism. But I think it gets you closer, and your, your, base, your floor is higher, and you have a more stable situation. And Russell Westbrook, you know, maybe, you know, that mentality is something that you can put in your core, in your nucleus, and maybe it rubs off on these young players that you're trying to develop around them. So, you know, when, it, when you talk about the trades and being aggressive, I think it's become even more so prevalent in the NBA. If you look at the top teams in the NBA, and I'm not even going to go through them all, but you can look at the standings. Just about every team at the top of the NBA made a blockbuster trade to get there. Right. I mean, just look at the Lakers with Anthony Davis with what they just did. Uh, Sam Presti, Daryl Morey, these guys do one every offseason. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but they have proven that, you know, just by making trades and switching things up, you can continue to, to move yourself forward or, or at least uh, gain assets. And um, I think the Wizards would be smart to kind of take that approach to a certain extent. And obviously it would be tough. It would anger fans if you traded the way John Wall. But I think you might put yourself in better position moving forward. Um, all right. Last one on this. How much do you think Wall's, you know, photo in Brooklyn, the video that that surfaced from Brooklyn with you know the gang references, um, which he profusely apologized for, or the situation where he was doing the interview and he was playing spades and wasn't paying attention to Field Yates or whomever it was that was doing the interview? I forget who it was. Who was doing that interview? I forget who it was. Um, it was Field Yates, yeah. Yeah, um, Monday Night Football Countdown, right? Like that. So, how much of that do you think? I mean, Shepard was point blank with me saying they were disappointed with the the former, obviously. Um, 
how much do you think that really with you know Ted really focused on culture the whole thing how much do you think that's driving the the them being open-minded about dealing wall I think there's reason to believe that it's connected I, I don't know that there is a direct connection but what I would say is this and I think it's related is that Tommy I think has clearly been taking a harder line with that type of behavior than Ernie Grunfeld did John Wall, this isn't the first time he's thrown up what appear to be gang signs. He, he's done it in games right. for many years, to the point where, like, on Twitter, it's a thing where players have alter egos, and there's hoodie mellow, and there's gang sign John Wall. And I'm not going to speculate what the signs mean, because I don't know what they mean. But what I noticed was a very distinct difference was the fact that John Wall apologized after that, because he didn't apologize previously when he did the exact same thing. And I go back to uh, last offseason. It was right after Tommy Shepard took over. Devin Robinson, uh, who was a two-way guy, who had a lot of potential but didn't really have the right head on his shoulders. He got in a fight with a Philadelphia Eagles player in a club, and immediately they cut him, and immediately Tommy released a very strongly worded uh, press release, a statement about it. Right. And that, to me, said that, okay, Tommy is running this ship very, very differently. It, maybe it's still a player's first approach because that's kind of the way things are going in the NBA. But clearly, he's not going to enable anyone, I think, in terms of the franchise player. They can get away with whatever they want. He sent several messages, and I don't know if, how many people have picked up on this, but to me, it's been a very clear difference from the past. All right. Uh, last one. The draft is tonight. Uh, the Wizards have the ninth pick in the first round. What do they do with it? If Onyeka Okongwu is there, I think he's the obvious pick. Um, you know, I, I always say that they needed to go with best player available with the way their franchise is and how tenuous everything is. You know, even if it's a point guard like Killian Hayes, but I think they have to get a rim protector, whether it's a Kongwu or if he's gone, maybe it's Precious Achua of Memphis or Jalen Smith of Maryland. You know, this is the worst defense in the NBA, worst by defensive rating. If you look at uh, other metrics, like they, you know, for instance, they they gave up the third highest field goal percentage with five within five feet of the rim. They're one of the worst rebounding teams. They absolutely need help at the big man position. And honestly, I think if John Wall is coming back, which I think you know he will be, that he won't be traded, it's going to be a disaster if you put him at the head of this defensive structure. You have to give him some help because he's coming back from a very serious injury and he's going to have to stay in front of literally the quickest athletes on the planet at the NBA point guard position. If you put someone behind him who will at least make people think twice about driving into the lane, you know, hopefully a wing defender as well so he has some help, um, I think that would go a long way. And I think the Wizards need to be thinking in those terms this offseason and moving forward. They've got to build a structure that makes it easier for John Wall and helps preserve his long-term impact. Not unlike if you have a rookie quarterback in the NFL and you want to get them an offensive line, uh, a running game, and a tight end. I think John Wall needs a structure around him because of the investment they've made. They need to preserve that. And I think a rim protector is the best way they can do that. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, he, even healthy at times, uh, would sort of uh, allow people to beat him off the dribble. And, you know, when you had Gortat or you had a guy like Nene who was a bit of an enforcer um, and you had a Reza as a wing defender, um, it was it was different then. Um, but it, Thomas Bryant can't check me. Um, and so that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a problem. You know, it's funny. I know that they've, they, I know they like Jalen Smith a lot. And I had him on the radio show this morning. 
thing. Sticks is a legit, uh, you know, elite college shot blocker and rim protector. He was that in college. He was also a high volume rebounder and really developed into a stretch four, you know, or five if you had to play him there um, with really a very good stroke and and long range stroke. Um, so that would be interesting. I just think nine, you know, I don't think anybody's expecting him to go nine. I mean, maybe, you know, in the 14 to, to 18 range. And so if they somehow were able to trade back, trade back and get him, that would be, that would be interesting. Um, thanks. Oh, you know what? Actually, one last thing, just your quick thoughts on this. I think that the whole Beal getting dealt is not going to happen at all. I think I believe Tommy at his word that Bradley Beal they're trying to build something around Beal. Now I don't think believe I don't believe Beal is a number one centerpiece, you know, in in terms of winning a title. He's a great scorer, elite scorer. He's got to be a number two to win a title somewhere. But you agree with that, right? That they're not going to deal Beal. Yeah, I don't think they're going to deal Beal. And honestly, I think if they were going to they missed the boat because now James Harden's available. Right. Chris Paul got traded. Paul George might be available. Um, you know, I think if you were to sell high when his value was at the highest, you would have already done that. And we're so close to training camp, and, and Tommy has said it in such uncertain terms. Um, I, I think Bradley Beal will be with the Wizards. Uh, I think it's, it's pretty much a guarantee at this point. Chase, thanks so much for jumping on. Really helpful, um, really good stuff. Appreciate it. Hope you're well. Absolutely, man. Anytime. All right, that's it uh, for the day. Uh, Back tomorrow.